So our story tonight is, uh, is a story of, of a teenage girl and a teenage guy. And they fall deeply in love with each other, so much so that they want to get married. And, and this story, they, they want to get married, and everybody's for that. Like their families are vested. Um, they, I, my, my family been praying for this boy that he'd meet a woman that loved God. And her family been praying for this girl that loved God. So these families are vested. And this wasn't like them just running off and eloping. Like they want to get married. They're like rock star couple of God. And uh, they've been trying to live their lives for God, and they attend church, and they're really involved in their, in their youth groups, and you know, they've been coming to church, and, and, and they love God, they love each other, and they're moving towards marriage when, hello, she gets pregnant. And, and a huge uh, controversy ensues, because this isn't just like just anybody, I mean, this is like rock star couple of God, like they were leaders in the church and everybody looked up to them and families were vested and, and, and now it's kind of brought some shame to the family's name because they're going, our kids, you know, they aren't married and now she's having a baby. And the interesting thing about this story is her name is, is Mary and his name is Joseph and their story on what happened you know, the, mom, dad, um, we have something to tell you. Um, Mary and I have never had sex. In fact, she's pure, um, but she's having a baby, right? Like, that's the weirdest thing. Like, like everybody, oh, great. Yeah, an angel of the Lord came to us at night and told us that he's going to put the son of the living God in her virgin womb. Uh-huh. Right? Like, that, that's not going to fly, right? You think about that story, right? They didn't have, they have no way of proving that. They didn't have a DNA test back then. I'd love to see that Mari Povich episode, though. That'd be great. You know, like, Joseph's on the couch, and Mary's on the couch, and Mari's here to get the studio audience. And Mari goes, okay, let's get the results. And he pulls it out, and he goes, Joseph... You are not the father. In fact, we don't know who the father is. The whole DNA machine just melted down on us. It went, wait, hey, why are back there? We don't know who the father is, right? It's just, it's a crazy story. And we, we kind of, you know, romanticize it and say, oh, Mary and Joseph and an angel. But you think about that. These are st- rock star people of God. And she's pregnant. And the story they're telling people probably isn't fly. Oh, yeah. Pure, right? Like, that's not flying with people. And it's, a, it's the greatest story ever. I just want to read it to you from the beginning as it is. I don't want to add anything to it. We're going to be a Luke 2. And I want you to listen to this as if you're hearing this for the very first time. It's such a beautiful story, but it is the story of this season. Beginning in verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So let me just. So Caesar Augustus says, hey, we're going to do a census. But the way they did census back then and the way you paid your taxes back then is you had to go to your town of origin. So David says, we've, we've got to go back. And Mary's like. Are you kidding me? Have you seen me? Right? So they've got to go make this journey back to Bethlehem. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out on the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So here you have these shepherds, and in this society, shepherds were bottom-of-the-barrel people. Okay? Like they weren't even allowed into the temple for worship because they were deemed unclean because they'd been hanging out with sheep all day. So we're talking about the lowest of the low people just hanging out with sheep one night, as was the norm, and an angel of the Lord appears. So you got to think about that. An angel of the Lord shows up, and we don't know what angels look like. We don't know if they're six foot two or 62 feet, but every single time, watch this, read the Bible. As you're reading through it, every time an angel of the Lord appears, every single time an angel shows up on the scene, <laughs> the first thing an angel says every time is, do not be afraid, which must mean they're scary, right? It's like, ah! right? I'm just like, there's, I don't know what it looks like, but there's just something about angels where immediately they go, we're good, right? Well, I'm not coming in peace. Like that's, so God's glory is shining all around. And the shepherds then go, oh, well, that's beautiful. Look, here's an angel. This is probably the Christmas story we've been reading about in the Old Testament. It's happening. No, they're freaking out because, again, the first thing that the angel says is do not be afraid. So these angels are pretty incredible. And they show up, verse 10. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I love that. That's the heart of Christmas, is it's good news. That's what the gospel, the word gospel literally translates as, is good news. As I, I've come to bring you good news, and this good news is not going to bring you good joy. This good news is going to bring you great joy. So if you're kind of waning into the holiday season, you go, you know what, I don't think of this as good news. I think of this as old news. I think of this as, as just kind of run-of-the-hat news. It's it's narrow. It's boring. I say this is good news, and it's good news that will bring you great joy. So if you're entering into this holiday season, we're just, what, a couple of weeks away now, 16 days from Christmas. If you're kind of waning into this season and you don't have great joy, maybe you need to reconnect with the good news because the good news brings you great joy, and here's the best part. It's for all the people. I love that the angel said that because there's somebody in the house tonight that you're going, you know what, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm here. i Somebody invited me, and, and I thought I'd come check this out. But, I mean, it's for everybody else in this room, for all those people on stage and that worship and the singing and the Bible and, and the Jesus thing. It's, it's for everybody but me. No, no, the angel says it's good news for great joy for all the people. I'm so thankful he didn't say it's good news of bringing great joy for everybody except Jim, right? Like, I'm so thankful. Is there a man named Jim here tonight? Good, okay. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's for all the people. So if you're sitting here, this is for you. If you can hear my voice, this is for you. If you're listening on the podcast, this is for you. This is good news that brings great joy to everybody in the room. It's exciting. And, and, and that was just a preface of what the angel came to say. He goes on to say in verse 11, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, or he is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that just happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. By the way, I just love that. Again, it's for all the people. And that the first ones to get the news were the lowest of the low people. I just, I kind of like that. That's just an added thing. And he goes, listen, if you feel like you're the bottom of the barrel people in the room tonight, you'd be the first one to get the good news. Like, I, I want this to be for everybody. So the shepherd's going around. Everybody's amazed. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Just imagine, it's a normal night. Just hanging out with sheep. <laughs> right? An angel of the Lord burst onto the scene to announce the birth of Christ our Savior, who is basically, he's, he's born to die. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. So he came to earth to save you, to save you from your sins. That's why he was born to die. Like God could have sent anybody, could have sent Abraham, could have sent Moses, could have sent David. But he goes, no, 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 I'm going to send myself, robed in flesh. I'm going to become one of you, and I'm coming to save you. I'm coming to save the world from the sin. I want to appear, I want to model life, and then I ultimately want to die for you. This Christmas story breaks the silence. It broke the silence that night because you know the Old and the New Testament, that between the Old and New Testament, you may or may not know this, but there was a 400-year period of silence. Like, we don't, we don't see that. We see in our Bibles, we go to Malachi. Okay, so, so this is the end of the Old Testament, and then there's a page that says the New Testament, there's a blank page, and then we get the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, and it's basically the Christmas story all over again. So we see that as one page in the Bible, but that's not history. History says there was 400 years of silence, not one thus saith the Lord in 400 years. That's a long time, right? And so people are just yearning like, if, if that's us, if we haven't heard from God in 400 years, we're thinking one of two things. We're thinking either God's really mad <laughs> or he's dead that's what you think after four centuries of silence either god's really really mad and some of you ladies can't maybe relate to that but some of the guys are like i get it i get it you know i'm not talking to you for 400 years and get your boots off the carpet right like that's we've heard that before maybe or that he's dead but you're, you're going like where's god and in 400 years, after 400 years of silence, the most amazing sound, a baby crying. Like, I'm not God, and I, and I, and I, I don't want to be God, but I think about if I were God and I had had 400 years of silence, I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver the best sermon ever, right? Hey, guys, I've been working on this for four centuries, right? It's going to be like the most am uh, uh, amazing sermon I could ever, I could ever come up with. And, and, and God says, no, 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 that's not how I want to come. That's not the first thing I want to say. I want to cry. 
I want to be deity in humanity. I, I, wa- I want to relate with people. I, wanna, I want them to know right off the bat that I can relate to them, that I know that we live in a broken world, that we live in a world filled with tears, that we live in a world that is messed up, it's jacked up. I, I, I want to relate to them in that way. I want to identify with the brokenness and understand that I am here and I can relate to your tears. I am Emmanuel, God with you. Christmas breaks the silence. It always does. Do you know the very first thing uh, ever spoken on the radio was a story that we read tonight. There's a, there's a guy by the name of Reginald Fessenden that uh, invented the radio, and it was primarily used on the Atlantic seaboard for ships that were passing through the night. And pretty much all that they did was, was translate Morse code, and he would listen to the Morse code as they're traveling up and down the Atlantic Ocean. But uh, Reginald had souped up his initial invention, and he thought that he was able to transmit the sound of a human voice. And so without any press release, without any big hoopla, he just one night on Christmas Eve, 1906, he decided, I'm, I'm just going gonna to read the story. And you think about it, like, if that, like the first time, the first radio thing, like what would you say? Hey, what's up, Atlanta, Atlantic Ocean? This is Reginald on 101.5, the lighthouse, right? Like you'd think of something else that he would say. And the first thing that he says in those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Just think about traveling up and down the Atlantic seaboard, and all you are used to hearing is dun 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 dun. You're a sea captain. It's Christmas Eve. I just want to be home with my family. I'm out here in the middle of the ocean. I'm lonely. I'm a little bit afraid. I'm certainly sad. And then you hear those words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. That's Luke 2, 1. Have you ever thought about that? That that after 400 years of silence, that God shows up, and the day that he shows up is tax day. That's the day. Like of all the days. Of all the days, it's tax day. So they're going back. So think about that. So, So again... This is what they had to do. They had to go back to their town of origin, okay? So I had to go back to Snyder, Texas, and you had to go back to Amarillo or California, wherever you're from. So you're making that trek in, in your, you know, <laughs> Honda Civic, and you're, you get there, and, and you're mad because your engine was smoking the whole way, and you finally get there, and, and you're in your hometown, and now you got to pay your taxes. I don't know if you're a procrastinator like me, but I kind of wait till the last minute on April 15th to get my taxes done. And so I'm getting my, maybe your turbo tax, and maybe you're going to the post office. You know what time the post office closes. Okay, they close at 6. I'm going to get there at 5.55, and I've got all my stuff here. And, you know, I'm, I'm entering all the information, and I'm like, okay, uh, oh, baby, we, we owe $787. We thought we were taking the cruise. We're not taking the cruise. We owe $787. You know, you're, and, and then you're trying to print your stuff out. It's not working, so you get the, you get the printer jam, and you're like, oh, we're not going to get it in. We're going to have to file an extension, right? And it's just kind of crazy. And then God says, hey, let's talk, right? Like that's the day he shows up, really? That's because we're all in such a great mood on tax day to talk to God. Let's have a good conversation, right? We're in such a positive spirit. It's tax day. And as we talked about er- uh, earlier, Mary and Joseph are surrounded by this cloud of scandal, right? Like, she is, the Holy Spirit has impregnated her. And the angel showed up to her and the angel showed up to Joseph. Joseph was going to leave her and the angel said, don't leave her. She's telling you the truth. And so they're going to their parents going, hey, mom and dad, I promise we're pure, right? 
and nobody's buying that. So you think about all of the scandal around them. It's tax day. They've just traveled. By the way, they didn't have Honda Civics back then, so they're probably on the back of a, a donkey or, or some animal. She's nine months pregnant, okay, like not comfortable, right? Ooh, right? And then they get there, and I can't even find a place to stay. Why? Because everybody's coming to their town of origin. So everybody was coming into town. And Bethlehem's not a very big town at all. Still, it's not a very big town. And so they're all coming into Bethlehem, and so I can't, I can't even, I, are you kidding me? There's not one room, not one room available. And so they go to what we think of as a stable. That's what you have on your, on your coffee table at home. It's not probably a stable. They, biblical scholars believe they were probably in an indention in a cave somewhere. Like that's probably where they settled. And so they're, they're in this probably indention of a cave. It's cold. And Mary is probably thinking one thought. And some of you, like the guys are going, I don't, I don't know what she's thinking. But the girls are following me. You're tracking with me. Right? She's thinking, not tonight. Please, not tonight. I just want to get home. I want to see my mama. Please, God, don't make it happen tonight. Do all the chaos. It's tax day. I've just traveled hundreds of miles on the back of an animal, nine months pregnant, can't find a place to stay. It's cold, it's miserable cloud of scandal over our relationship over this baby and what probably went down as one of the two worst days in Mary and Joseph's life Jesus shows up and I think that's the story of Christmas I think Christmas is not let's get all your act together And everything organized, neat, and tidy, and then I'll appear. I have a friend who said, Rita, I, I do want to follow Jesus. I do want to give my heart to God, but I just feel like I've got some areas of my life I need to clean up. I've got, I, you know, I, I drink too much, I smoke too much. I just, I feel like I need to get some of that stuff out of my life, and then I'll give my life to God. I'm like, Bob, you got it all backwards. Like, it's not, you don't, that's not how God works. You don't just get your life all neat and tidy and organized and say, okay, God, I'm presenting this gift to you. It's, it's when our lives are all jacked up. And it's weird, and it's chaos, and it's crazy, and it's messy. And that's when God says, hey, let's talk. I want a relationship with you. That's when he shows up. That's when God makes his appearance. I think the message of Christmas is when everything is chaotic and everything goes wrong. That's when he shows up because he's coming to be your Savior. He's coming to be your Lord. He's coming into the chaos to identify with you. There was nothing perfect about Christmas, the first Christmas, except for the baby. Nothing perfect about it. The reality is some of you are here tonight, and, and this will be your very first Christmas that you have cancer in your family. This will be the first Christmas where you were dating that guy or girl, and they're no longer with you. And so this is a difficult Christmas. This will be the first Christmas that you're going to stand around that, sink, that tree at your house, and you're going to sing Silent Night, and there's going to be somebody missing from that circle. For a lot of reasons, this is a difficult Christmas for you. And so if you're kind of dreading this season because of one of those things, in this building there are all kinds of craziness and anxiety and depression and addiction and secrets. It's crazy. And to all of you who can identify with anything I've talked about, I say to you, 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's when Jesus came the first time, and that's when he comes. To, he says, I, I relate to the crazy. I waited to the craziest day after 400 years to show up. And I can relate to your crazy, and I can relate to your chaos, and I want to identify with you. Because wherever you are, in the darkness, in the valley, with the shadow of death, in bondage, in anger, in loss of a loved one, the glory of God is shining all around you. God's with you through it all, and he loves you so much. He's been right there the whole time. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I want to show you this verse again. This is Luke 2.11. And a minute ago, I showed you that video. It was kind of cheesy, but somewhat funny. Of the 12 days of Christmas. It's a song we all have heard a thousand times. And it's funny to think about actually getting those gifts. Uh, those are awful gifts. Don't ever give them. But tonight, I, I don't want to show you the, the 12 days of Christmas. I want to show you the 12 words of Christmas. And it's this, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's the good news. And that good news will bring great joy to everybody in the room tonight. It's right there. It doesn't matter how bad the storm gets, there's going to be a sunrise, there's going to be a new day, there's more mercy on the horizon, and there's hope in Christ. I'm going to ask the band to come, and we're going to close out tonight. Um, that's it. I just wanted to read the Christmas story tonight because um, I know a lot of you, if you're honest, your life is a little crazy too. And God speaks into the crazy. And that's what Christmas is for me. It's not neat and tidy. It's, it's chaos and crazy. And it seems like that the commercialization of Christmas has made it even more crazy. So I want you to just invite him into this moment. And say, Jesus, I know that you came at a crazy time in history. And this is a crazy time in my history, perhaps. And I need you to come now. I want you to be Emmanuel God with me now. I want you to identify with me now. I want you to relate to my brokenness and my tears. I want you to comfort me. I want your mercies to be new every morning. I want your grace to be sufficient for me. I want to cast my cares on you because you care for me. I need you to give me rest because I'm weary and burdened. I need your joy, joy of the Lord to be my strength. I don't have strength to get up each day. I need your joy. faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control from you through me. I need your love, Lord. I need your love. You are love, and love comes from you, and I need love because I want to see some family in 16 days that I don't love. <laughs> I need you to help me love them. I, I don't know what your prayer is, but this moment, I want you to connect with Jesus because this is the reason for the season. And when you think about Christmas, we always try to it, but it, it's it's really pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. So I hope that you can relate with that. Let's stand together all over the room. Here's what I'd love to do as we close tonight is um, I want to give you one last opportunity. I can't think of a better way to end our continuums of 2018 than give an opportunity for somebody to connect with the good news. 
And if you've never connected with the good news, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, so let me finish the story. We don't celebrate Easter if we don't have Christmas, but Easter, really, things get pretty crazy. Because Easter, 33 years after this night, Jesus was doing some amazing things on earth. He was teaching. He was performing many miracles. He was God in the flesh, and yet there was some religious authority that didn't like that because their idea of who this Messiah would be was not this homeless man. They thought he should be, you know, coming, you know, in purple linens. And, and he said, no, the Son of Man has no home. So they missed it. And he kept saying, I'm the Son of God. They said, that's blasphemy. You're lying. And because you're lying, we're going to kill you. So he'd not done anything wrong. He'd never sinned. But they credited him with this blaspheming lie, and they wanted to crucify him, these religious authority. And they convinced um, the Roman authority at the time to prosecute him. Pontius Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. was a ruthless man. He killed lots of people, but he couldn't find any fault in Jesus. And he said, I have an idea. It's customary at Passover, which is right before Easter. Let's release one of the prisoners back to the people. We can release Barabbas, who's a notorious murderer, or Jesus, who you say is life. And the people said, release to us Barabbas and crucify Christ. Crucify Christ. Jesus was crucified at the hands of angry men. That's Acts 2. So he was nailed to a cross. He was beaten within an inch of his life, which probably would have been easier. And then they made him carry this heavy wooden cross about a mile to Golgotha, which is this, the place of his skull. And they, they pierced his hands with these major spikes through his hands and through his feet. And he hung there. And then he died. And he didn't die because of a his sin, he died because of our sin, Scripture says, that God made Jesus who had no sin to become our sin because the wages of sin is death. So he died the sin that was meant for me, died the sin that was meant for you. So that in him, in a relationship with him, we might become the righteousness of God. So when I see God one day, he doesn't see my sin. He sees his son righteous son of Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live but Christ lives in me. If you put your faith, your hope in Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe that you're Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, which he did, beating death and beating hell, giving us the power to do the same thing. You will be saved, is what scripture says. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to receive that for yourself, to confess it, to believe it, to be saved. And that good news, I promise, brings the greatest joy for all people. The Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. I'd love for you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for this moment, just so that I can ask one question just to be between you and God. Nobody else is looking around. Between you and God, if you're 
in the room tonight, you said, Reed, I've, I've never done that. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never called him Lord. I've never, those that that's not come off my lips. I've never believed that in my heart. I don't know that I've ever trusted him as Savior and Lord of my life. What I'd love for you to do, again, nobody's looking around. I just want to know who I'm praying for in just a moment. So I'd love for you to just slip your hand up and just say, that's me. Would you pray for me, Reed? Would you pray for me? That's me. I need Jesus tonight. Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Hands down. Because it is a confession of your mouth, I'd love for us to confess this together tonight. Even if you've already confessed this, it's okay. We can do it again. Just tell God how good he is once more. Let's just confess this for the, for the ones that raised their hand tonight they won't feel isolated or alone, that they would feel the empowerment of a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ praying this prayer with them. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I believe you came to earth on a crazy day because you loved us. You loved us so much that you would ultimately die for us, for our sins, for our mistakes. You'd be buried again. Lord, thank you for dying for my sins. And tonight, I put my faith in a relationship with you. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. I want you to guide and direct the rest of my days put you on the throne of my heart and take everything else off. I'm ready to pursue you wholly. And just tell him how much you love him. Just tell him how much you love him, God. Lord, we bind all this in the powerful name of Jesus. It is by no other name we are saved than by that name, through that name. Jesus, we pray. Just give it up for our brothers and sisters who came to faith just now. Come on. I love it. I love you. I'm proud of you. If you made that decision, I would love for you to follow up with baptism. Uh, water baptism is something that we're going to do in January next month, and I'll give you more details on that, but I'd love for you to be a part of that. It's a great first step in your relationship with Jesus. It's the first thing uh, that he calls you. He himself did it in order to fulfill all righteousness, and I think it's a great sign to the world. It doesn't save you. Listen, if you leave here and you're in a horrible car accident and die, you're saved. You just did what we just did. You're, you're saved based on you reordering the priorities of your, your heart, okay? But baptism is a beautiful profession to the public that I'm taking, right? That's why I wear a wedding ring, right? If I take my ring off, am I married? Sure. So why do I wear it? So all the ladies know, dang, right? Why do we get baptized? It's just two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. There's nothing holy about that water. It's to let the devil know, dang, he or she's taken. You're taken. So I'd love for you to get baptized. I can talk to you more about that. We're going to worship Jesus. Is that okay? Uh, and I'm going to invite our prayer team to come. Maybe God's laid something on your heart that I haven't even talked about. Maybe you just need to talk about and pray through. You're crazy. You got some chaos this season. We want to pray for you. We're going to have our prayer team.
prayer partners in the front here just to pray with you once more this semester uh, before we close shop here for three weeks. But we would love to pray for you. If you're not needing prayer tonight, that's okay. I just want you to love for you to sing to God and declare his